Marketing. From the American College of Financial Services, it's time for NextGen in 10. I'm Ross Riskin, chair of the NextGen Advisory Task Force, and for the next 10 minutes, you'll be joined by our hosts and guests discussing topics relevant to up-and-coming financial advisors. Hey all, it's Alana Phillips with the American College NextGen Advisory Task Force here with Kate Healy from TD Ameritrade and Crayley Woodford from LPL Financial. And we got together today to talk a little bit about our next gen advisors coming into the industry, brand new, looking at opportunities and the struggle that there is to understand really the landscape of our financial services world. There's a lot of factors to consider for somebody new coming into financial services. And I literally used to draw this out for people as we would talk about the industry. There's a spectrum that's you know, captive to independent, low risk to high risk, portability changes, flexibility changes. And Crayley and Kate, you guys both have different experiences on the institutional side, independent side. You know, Kate, as you're thinking about these new folks coming into the business, what do you tell them when they're looking at this landscape to help them to decide which direction to go? Alana, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's hard, right? The first thing I tell anyone new coming into this business or thinking about this business is it's the greatest career in the world. So it might take you a little time to find your perfect fit, but it's the greatest career in the world. So have some patience. You know, some of the things that we try to do is talk about which, which ones are more entrepreneurial, which ones are less entrepreneurial, which ones have defined career paths, what's important to you. I think it's really important as you're thinking about this profession, and it's hard but to understand how many different types of businesses there can be. And whenever I have the chance to talk to someone who's still in college, I encourage them to do an internship in all the different business models. I work with RIAs, but I've worked with independents, I've worked with Wirehouse, I've worked with insurance. Each model is right for certain people. And it's really, if you can do it, it's really important to get that experience, large firm, small firm, independent, entrepreneurial. So yeah, I really just, I ask them to have a little patience and to try out as many different business model experiences as they can, which is kind of hard because a lot of times they don't know what they are but I think it's so important for them to get a well-rounded view because I don't want them to have a bad experience and leave. Yeah, and I think that's part of the challenge, right, is that they hop into one model and it doesn't feel quite right. But to your point, if there's internships and we can test it out, it's low risk, it's got a time limit on it, we can figure out which model is right. Because, you know, and, and Crayley, I know you came from a wirehouse background. So, that, you know, there's the wirehouses, there's the insurance BDs, there's the independent side, there's the RIA independent side, there's so many different levels to it. So Crayley, as you have experienced and watched folks come in new, how have you, you know, helped them to maybe understand some of those different opportunities or options for them in those different spaces? Yeah, Alana, it's a great question. And I have to echo what Kate said. It really is a fantastic profession to be in. And I think that the fact of the matter is there's such an opportunity in front of next-gen advisors, right? And, and the more smart, talented professionals we can bring into this business, the better off we're all going to be. But I think there are a few things that when we're talking to candidates about where they may want to build their career that we encourage people to think about, right? The first is, where do you see opportunity? And opportunity varies. And so depending on that individual 
individual's preference and what they are hoping to accomplish and, and their style and what they're looking for, opportunity may look different across that spectrum that you talked about, right? So that to me is something that's very important. The second thing is, where do you think you're going to get the most support? Because I, I think the other thing Kate and I and a lot of you too, we'd all agree on is it's not easy. Like to, to start and build a successful career as an advisor, it, it takes hard work. It takes time. And so you want to make sure that the place you're, you're doing so is giving you the support that you believe you're going to need to be successful and productive in, in the future. And then the last piece really to me is a question around autonomy. And so you mentioned, you know, I, I do, I, I came from a wirehouse. I've only recently joined LPL. And, and I think one of the things that is appealing to me in particular about the independent space is this idea that you run your own business, right? And so entrepreneurship, that spirit, I think is something that for me was important. But depending on what our next gen advisors are looking for, they may find a better fit at a wirehouse at an insurance BD. You know, there, there are so many options out there, but, but no matter what, I think this profession is one that really just has a great opportunity ahead of it. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Learn how to give your clients the retirement security they need and become the go-to expert in all things retirement with our Retirement Income Certified Professional designation. Visit theamericancollege.edu slash RICP to learn more. Kate, it sounds like in your conversations with folks, right, to be able to say to them, okay, this is the same as when we meet with a financial planning client. We need to understand your risk tolerance. We need to know what your goals are, right? And for some folks, when we look at that spectrum, their risk tolerance is really low, right? And they need to be in a very structured environment. They need training. They need a team. They need support. Some people have a really high risk tolerance. They want to be free to do whatever they like. They want to do podcasts and social media posts. And there are some firms where they're not going to have that creative freedom if there's a little more captivity. So Kate, on, on the flip side for you, because I know you work with the advisors that these next gen folks might join teams of, what are some of the challenges that you've seen there in helping a next gen person join a team? And, and can you give them any advice to navigate joining a team? It's so important, especially in the RAA side, because they're small businesses. They're small business owners who are hiring someone they might not have hired before. So it's very interesting when you talk about that risk perspective, some of that risk I talk to advisors about a lot of times too, is what keeps people from the profession. It's not just the compliance risk of how much freedom you have from a marketing or social media perspective, but even the risk you take in building up your business. So especially in an RAA firm, I often talk to advisors about what kind of support are you giving these next gen to come into the business and learn the business? Do not put them into business development right away. We know from research that we've done that that is one of the top perceptions that keeps people from entering this industry. So we've got to allay that fear right away and let the next gen know that there are opportunities in firms that don't have to start with business development. You can start and work your way through there, but you can get that full breadth of experience through client service associates and work your way up into power planners and then go and work into that associate role or that, that lead advisor role where then business development may be a part of your job. But also as the independent businesses become more like businesses, they really start to become professionally managed so that they are having a separate business development department. So it's less onerous on a new advisor coming in to 
bring in that book of business. They're really there to help service the existing clients and then start to take on those relationships when they're more comfortable and they've gotten to know the people. And so I think that's a great way for them to get that bit of entrepreneurial taste from the REA model, but work their way into it. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Interested in incorporating a goals-based approach to how you deliver financial planning and investment advice? Well, the Wealth Management Certified Professional designation will help you get there. Elevate the value you add for clients at theamericancollege.edu slash WMCP. Each of us on this call do work on the flip side as advocates for those next-gen advisors coming in with existing advisors, right? Because that's one of the challenges is new advisors coming in, they talk to an existing advisor and he or she is like, you have to put in the time and you got to you know, smile and dial and, and whatever other uh, euphemisms that they use to talk about business development that we really have some work to do on the side of the existing experienced advisors. So if you put yourself in the shoes of this next gen advisor and they're joining that experienced advisor or experienced person who's going to train them, how did they navigate that conversation? Because we do a lot of that work for them when they're coming in, but what if they don't have individuals like us or mentors or advocates? advocates in their world, you know, what's sort of your piece of advice for them to navigate those initial conversations with the firm owner? I think that's such a great question, Alana. And, and I want to draw on something Kate said, because I think at some point, if I was the next-gen advisor talking to uh, potential practices that I might join, I would want to make sure I understood what success looks like, right? So for the existing advisors and the practices that are looking to grow, there are different reasons that they might want to bring in a new next-gen advisor to the team. It could be, as Kate mentioned, that it's about retention and servicing existing accounts and kind of deepening those relationships. It could be to help with marketing efforts and client acquisition efforts. It could also be about succession, right? There are lots of different catalysts for why people look to add next-gen advisors into their practice. And I think as the, the potential new joiner to those practices, it's really important to understand what success is going to look like and the role that you're expected to play and the opportunity that you have. Yeah, I love that. So I hear from this conversation, our message to next-gen advisors coming into the industry, brand new, right? Take a look at everything. Make sure that you are doing internships in every model, insurance BDs, RIAs, Indies, banks, wires, wherever you can find those opportunities. And then Crayley, to your point that they need to understand if they actually do make a decision to join one of those models, really why? What is the reason they're being brought into this team? And then that spectrum of independence, risk, flexibility, what's really going to be the initial first step based on their personal goals and their risk tolerance. So thank you again, Kate and Crayley for joining me in this conversation today. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks, Alana. This was great. For more episodes, visit our website at theamericancollege.edu slash podcasts. This has been Next Gen in 10, brought to you by the American College of Financial Services.